When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Holly. Hey, Dave. What is going on today on the What Differences Make podcast? Which is part of the Pantheon podcast family. Today's another great day. I love talking to radio people. How about you? Yes. So this is a radio person who is based in Nashville, Tennessee. He works for Lightning 100 WRLT. This is the Reverend Keith Coase. And you might ask yourself, the Reverend? And we will (laughs) say- closely and you'll find out how he came to be ordained. He is an ordained minister. He's also a big music fan, which is why we want to get him in here and talk about music played on LA radio station KROQ in 1985. Guest in year-end chart, songs number 60 to 51. We'll chat a little bit about those and the music and the videos. Yeah, this one was a little obscure. A lot of songs didn't necessarily make it big. And because Keith is based in the Midwest, a lot of this is new to him. So that was kind of interesting. He got to hear a lot of new music from 1985. So we're doing this with the Reverend Keith Coase today, but also there will be outtakes from this interview on our YouTube channel. So just look for the What Difference Does It Make podcast on YouTube, and you'll find quite a few outtakes. We're going to get a little bit into the Reverend story and learn a lot about him and what makes him tick and what his interests are. So uh, let's dive right in right now. This is the Reverend Keith Coase on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Greetings. Greetings. All right. Greetings. It should be interesting. Okay. <laughs> the music you sent me was uh, stuff I hadn't heard in a long time. A few of them I'd, I'd heard the bands, but I hadn't heard the song before, so... It's a trip back in the Wayback Machine. Yes, it certainly is. And that's kind of the reason we're doing that is uh, just to kind of rediscover some new old music and some old, old bands and some bands that time forgot. Um, I like the Wayback Machine. It really is the Wayback Machine. Let's go way back. Uh, you gave me a little primer. Like I was wondering, well, before you became the Reverend, you were just uh, Keith and you were at Vanderbilt in 1985. Or sort yeah, of Tennessee worked, State. <laughs> well, I went to school at Tennessee State, but I worked at Vanderbilt's radio station for four years. I worked there from 1980 to 1984, and then I got fired because I found out I didn't go to school there. So, uh, so where you were at? Did they have a radio station there? They had a, a closed closed circuit or whatever that's called. It's like campus only, but Vanderbilt station 
you could hear it all over Nashville. Okay. And, and I heard I heard about it, and they were having a DJ drive. So I went and signed up and got a shift to Nebraska, but I went to school there. I was the same age as all the students, and they just assumed that I went to school there. Right. What kind of idiot would uh, would uh, would want to be on a radio station in Vanderbilt? It, it was like the cool rock station because yeah. um, back in the 80s, we played like the Pretenders and Elvis Costello, Joe Jackson, the police. And the, the, the rock station was playing Journey and Corner and all the bands that are now classic rock. So we were the cool people. So is that a thing? I, I never really thought about that. Are you, is it a requirement that you attend the school where the radio station is? I, I It wouldn't occur to me to go elsewhere if I was a student somewhere, but I... Is that made clear to you that you're supposed to be a student? They never told me that that there was a, a rule, so I just signed up and I worked okay. there for four years. I was a music director the last two years. Pretty good. And who is who is the weasel? Who pulled the plug on you? Some guy who wanted to be the new music director. <laughs> oh, betrayed. Oh, my God. Are yeah, we- but then that skyrocketed you, right? You, you moved on to bigger job. and better things. And you knew this was this was what you were you wanted to do. This was this was your life uh, journey. Yeah, I liked radio ever since I was a kid, and that's all I've really done in the last long, long, long time. <laughs> it's one of those things when you know, you know. I've been here almost thirty years. That was amazing. When did, so after Vanderbilt, what what happened? Where'd you go? Where'd you stop next? I worked at a news talk station called WLAC, which is a 50,000-watt station that covers like 30 states and so on. Yeah. And I used, I used to work on the overnights playing um, religious tapes, like Reverend Ike and sermons and crazy crap. And then I started working the daytime, and I was a, a sales assistant and a board operator for the talk shows. And it was around this time that you disco- You said you discovered metal music. Is this, uh, is this Yes, that way? is correct. This is the way of the world. Okay, so you made... You made a little turn. You were list- initially, like at Vanderbilt, it sounded like it was just kind of like an AOR, sort of, just playing all the, the, new, or the newer rock bands. New but, rock. Right. But then there was, so what was, what was the band that, uh, that turned you? Well, I started doing a metal show when I was at WRPU as well. So was and there a specific band? Not really. I just, I just, I just loved the music so much. I, I loved Metallica. I started going to shows, and I always got free tickets, so it was cool. And <laughs> yeah. I got to hang out with the band. And what was the club? What were the clubs in Nashville? What was what was the metal scene like in Nashville? In the late eighties, there was a club called Cells, S A L apostrophe S, and they bought in bands from out of town, and everyone there had long hair and wore leather and lots of beer drinking going on. <laughs> Are you watching Pam and Tommy? Uh, I have not watched it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's an interesting story because I'm, I met Molly Crew when they were opening for Ozzy, and my friend worked at Electra, so I went to the in-store with Molly Crew and helped them drink Jack Daniels in the back room before they started signing girls' body parts. <laughs> what year was, like, was this? Uh, it was at the Shout at the Devil tour. Okay, so boy, that was like 84? Somewhere around. Somewhere there, around, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, this is cool. Yeah, did you get to cozy up to a number of these guys? Because you were, I mean, at Vanderbilt, you must have, uh, you know, you were the guy. You were the, I mean, you were the guy reporting. I'm sure that you were the only metal show in Nashville. So you were the guy that everyone, you know, right. had, you had to, you were the gatekeeper. 
Yeah, I'm, I remember going to see Metallica and going back in their dressing room. This was before they had major security. Yeah. And they were like, they were like, who are you, dude? And why are you back here? And I was like, dude, I have the metal show. I play your music. And they were like, oh, cool. And <laughs> I hung out and ate pizza and drank with them. You, that was you, back when Cliff was in the band. Yeah. Did you realize, like, oh, Alcoholica is a an appropriate name for this band? Nickname? Absolutely. I've gotten to hang out with so many of my favorite bands over the years. I remember going to see Pantera, and I was b- backstage, and uh, Dimebag Daryl was making me drinks. I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what did you look like in 1985? I mean, is, if you're a metal guy, and how big was the hair? How... How leather was the outfit? You know, what's, uh, what was your... I had, I had a biker jacket, but I had a high-top fade. Nice. Like Kid in Play. <laughs> like Kid, oh, nice. A Kid in Play reference, the first one I think we've had here. Still a fan. Do you listen to the new stuff? Same genre, um, new stuff? Not as much. I listen a lot to the classic metal, Scorpions, Judas Priest, Maiden. Yeah. And I work at, and I work at a AAA station, so... <laughs> It's good to have balance. I think it was 1984, and I went with my friend, and we drove from Nashville to Los Angeles, and then from L.A. to Seattle. But I listened to K-Rock and heard, like, the Swedish Eagle and some other really interesting guys, and it was cool to hear cool alternative music on the radio because they didn't happen in most cities back then. Did you ever hang out at the Rainbow Room and uh, shake hands with Lemmy or do anything like that? I have to send you a picture of me and Lemmy. Oh, okay. But I, ah. I, I, I went to L.A. a bunch of, that's what, actually I was born there, but I moved to Minnesota when I was a kid. But I used to go to uh, the Foundations Forum, which is run by Concrete Marketing. And it was a heavy metal convention. Yeah. And it was a different yeah. vent, different hotel every year because they would never let them come back. <laughs> you know. You go to the bar and you look around and it's like, oh, there's like all the dudes from Sawyer at the bar drinking with Dave Mustaine. I'm sure you've broached the idea of adding some sort of metal show on Saturday overnights or something, you know. I've thought about it, but I don't think our owner would like that. Oh, owners, I tell you. He's a cool guy. When I, worked, <laughs> when I left yesterday, our owner is actually the engineer at the station. He was rewiring the production room. That's so cool. At 7 o'clock at night, he was working. <laughs> Learning a lot about the Reverend Keith Coase. He is the music director at Lightning 100 in Nashville, Tennessee. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. We're back with the Reverend Keith Coes and chatting about the songs from the K-Rock 1985 year-end chart, number 60 to 51. Okay, you are the music director at WRLT, Lightning, what is it, what's the frequency? Lightning 100, it's 100.1 on the FM dial. What, when's your shift? When are you on air? What? My shift is 7 to midnight, so I voice track that every day. Yeah. And then, then I'm on Sunday midday as well. So we have a very small staff here at the station. Do you program any differently for your shift than for other people? Can you throw in a, a little treat for yourself? Every once in a while, I might uh, toss in something really cool that's a, a throwback song or whatever that people may not have heard in a long time. Maybe one of these. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's quite possible. Well, We're talking KROQ in 1985. These are the top 106.7 songs. And we're talking to our favorite music directors and radio industry insiders that, uh, and kind of rediscovering these songs. And the ones that we gave you are 60 to 51 for the Reverend Keith Coase. Everyone calls you Rev. What happened? What, how'd you become one of uh, the Reverend? How'd you become ordained? Probably 20 years ago. Well, actually, it had to be 30 years ago. Gosh, it's been a long time. <laughs> time flies. This, this same frequency, but it was a different station. And I did a metal show, and this guy's this company called the Syndicate. They got all the metal directors in CMJ to get ordained on the Universal Life Church on their website. It takes like two minutes to get ordained, <laughs> and all the so when you look at CMJ back in the day. Every metal director was named Reverend, whatever the, their last name was. That's spectacular. Yeah, I was just joking with Holly. Like, oh, you know, normally you would get tattoos, but you guys. Especially for metal guys. This was a more metal thing to become a reverend. I love that. It's really cool because my friend worked at the phone company back when I got my cell phone. So my phone bill comes to Reverend Keith Coe's. <laughs> and when I, when I call people, it shows up on their caller IDs, Reverend Coe's. It's pretty hilarious. It's the best. Have you used the power of the reverend and married anybody or baptized I'd anybody? Be a, I'd be afraid to. <laughs> Really? Okay, so it has wow. never happened, huh? No no one has even requested you? Several people have asked me, but most of my friends that were married are not married. Maybe for their second marriages. <laughs> we'll get we'll make it happen. Okay, so let's let's get into the music, shall we? Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna start with number sixty. This was from nine, from nineteen eighty five. A band called Wang Chung, which I'm sure you remember as kind of a one as a one hit wonder. However, this is a song called Fire in the Twilight, which I was reminded was in The Breakfast Club, the movie, the John Hughes classic. And I recall when they first came out, I think their name was spelled H-U-A-N-G Chung. Hyung Chung. Yeah, I saw that on Wikipedia. Really? In Wikipedia, it said Huang Chung. It means yellow bell in Chinese. Did you know that? 
I did not know. That. I had always assumed there was like the sound of a guitar, like Wang Chung was what they were, what that was. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I thought they... it was like some of the other nonsensical. Yeah, like Kaja Gugu or something Kaja like that. Gugu, exactly. <laughs> I was not familiar with this song, and when I listened to it this week, I I didn't recall ever hearing it before. So <laughs> it probably never got played in our town. I'm sure Breakfast Club got played in your town. Did you? Uh... I've never seen that movie. What is happening? What? I watch movies like Blazing Saddles and Animal House. <laughs> okay. Watch um, movies like that. Oh, well, do yourself a favor. Have you seen any John Hughes movies? Like, uh, you know, even like Sixteen Candles or Pretty in Pink? I don't think so. Really? Are you a horror movie fan? Maybe like... Uh, no, not, not really. The, that like, okay. Um, music, yeah, no Friday the 13th movie. I've seen that before, but no, I'm not really into that. Okay. I mostly watch news and sports and comedies. Dave, did you remember this song? Uh, vaguely. Uh, you know, watching the uh, the video was, you know, it was just kind of nice to see Ventura. Ventura Boulevard is in the San Fernando Valley in Studio City. So um, it was just kind of fun to see what uh, the valley looked like back in 1980. Four eighty-five. She didn't remember. I, I vaguely remembered it. It's a, it's a catchy and you know, it's a decent song. like it holly i didn't remember it before but when i listened to it and watched the video i yeah i remembered it i did not remember it being in the movie yeah and as you know i love the movie <laughs> it's a good one day rev you know you got a free some free time on your hands you know just pop that in all right so then let's just move on from there and go to another uh, weird band uh this is uh the Lovable lads from Liverpool. This is Dead or Alive. Is that Pete Burns? Pete Burns, indeed, yes. I've been lying here so lonely. I've been wishing you would telephone me. Oh, I just can't lose this desperation. Won't you bring around a new sensation? Hey, you got lots of energy, Did you watch the video for Lover Come Back to Me? Yeah, I watched all of them. It was cool. It makes me think how cool MTV was and how how important it was to people our age. Yeah. Yes, it was. I mean, for us, K-Rock and, and MTV are almost 
I would say interchangeable, but they go hand in hand. I was also looking at on Wikipedia and it's, uh, we talk about record store clerks and uh, how mean they were. And apparently Pete Burns was also like one of them. He worked at a record store called Probe Records in Liverpool. And it said that Burns was notorious for his maltreatment of customers, sometimes throwing their purchases at them because he disapproved of their selection. So, you know, it's just like, <laughs> here you go. Oh, Wang Chung, fine. Enjoy that, would you? <laughs> Back in the day, a record store clerk was the cool job to have. Right. And what was your record store of choice? Where did you go in Nashville to get your hits? It was a chain called Cats Records. It was a chain in the southeast, family-owned. They owned a one-stop, and they also owned like seven or eight stores around Tennessee. Nice. Cats, K-A-T-Z? No, no, C-A-T apostrophe S. Okay. See, we're... we're <laughs> Dave goes for the... I go for the Jewish thing. That's, uh, <laughs> I was, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> Related to the Katz's Deli family? <laughs> not a, apparently not so much. So did you remember the song? I didn't remember that song either. Whoops again, songs that probably never got played in my market. And these yeah. were from 85, and I quit working in the college station in 84. So, Was there an alternative station, or was there? where did you go to hear new music? Um, the college radio station, mm-hmm. 91 Rock. So that was it, That's yeah. That, I worked at, yeah. So it was just straight through... Work. What about when you were in high school? Was there a station that you enjoyed? That was the station Same I listened station. to. Was okay. It was always that. That was it. And it was always. And it was just college kids that were running this this yeah. thing. And some volunteers because during the summertime and during holidays, the students would all go home, and we wanted the station to still be on the air, so we would get on there and work there. Yeah. And you you never got paid there though either, did you? That's well, I got free records and concert tickets. Yeah, you got you got the title. Of, enough. You got the music director title, so uh, yeah, the power and, and experience. Yes. Yeah. So. And, right. and what were we spending our money on other than that anyway? So gasoline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Concert tickets. To go, yeah, to go to the shows to drink with Motley Crue. That's that's the that was the that's how you got paid. Um, All right, 58, Thompson Twins, Lay Your Hands on Me. Correct. That was a big hit. That was a big multi-format hit. I'm glad you remembered that one. Okay. (laughs) They had a lot of hit songs, Thompson Twins did. Yeah, they were, as we've mentioned, that they they played Live Aid, and they were, uh, Donna jumped on stage with them, and we we knew all three members of Thompson Twins. I know them, Alana, Tom, and Joe, those were the twins. This old life seems too long. Yeah, did you like them? Were you a fan of them? I did. Yeah. I did. I like a lot of different kind of music. So I can do every, everything from alt country to death metal to uh, alternative to uh, Americana. I like a lot of stuff, even some classic hip hop. So. All right. Moving on to 57, the power station, communication. 
Now, not a John Hughes fan. Were you a Duran Duran fan? No, not really. No, not um, surprising. I, I, I liked him because all the girls liked him. I understand. Yeah, that. no, I, I I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. It's the REO Speedwagon rule for me. <laughs> the girls love that, so I guess okay, I'm gonna like this yeah. too. But Power Station were kind of cool. I mean, it was, um, I, you know, as I was listening to this song, just Robert Palmer and and Tony Thompson, the drummer. He he just kind of stands out on this track. He's amazing. Robert Palmer was a great singer. Call it. No, it was a single. It hit 34 on the U.S. charts. Yeah. All you remember really is Bang a Gong, right? A couple other ones. Yeah. Wasn't Irresistible? Was it? Was that Power Station? No, that was just uh, Robert, was Palmer. Robert Palmer. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, but, maybe it was just Bang a Gong then. You're right. But yeah, Robert Palmer was, you're right. Yeah, just an amazing vocalist. And that was a, it was kind of a nice meeting. I, I'm, I was disappointed that when it came to Live Aid, or when they toured, it wasn't it wasn't Robert Palmer. He was he was just like a one off, and uh, they went with Michael DeBarris to do the uh, the concert shows. Oh yeah, and his wife did something else. <laughs> yes, yes, something. She like kept that. busy. She <laughs> she wrote a book and then started a podcast. Yeah. Okay, number fifty six. This is the alarm, and the song is called Strength. Please tell us you played that one. Well, it was it came out after I was at the college station. Oh, okay. And we played the alarm, a lot of different songs by them, but that was not one of them. I was a big fan of that band. Like this song, Strength, is this uh, something that uh, that appealed to you? I, I liked it, but it did not sound familiar. Like, I don't think I'd heard it. Really? See, that's amazing. Like, you know, we were, you yeah. know, K-Rock just kind we of were... ba- banged these songs, and that's this is, we heard them constantly. You know, was, K-Rock kind of adapted to the the CHR principle, just like just kind of playing these uh, these hits, these songs over and over and over. So 
we became instantly familiar with them. Living in L.A., you probably forget that some people live in cities that didn't have a cool station. Yeah. Unless you worked at a record store or watched MTV, there was really no way to find out about stuff. You need to go to the store and buy radio and buy music magazines. Had to go to the store and ask them if you could listen to it. And some yeah. stores would let you play songs, but other than that, you're kind of screwed. So you mentioned MTV. Did you have MTV? When I was in college, my friend had MTV. My yeah. parents didn't have cable, so I'd go to his house and watch it. They were busy listening to classical music. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> if you watch the video, you saw that like, uh, the mullet was a big look back then. It still is in some parts of the country. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Some people have a skullet, that is. Oh, just got shaved, shaved well, on the. Just, yeah. They're bald on top, but they oh. still have long hair in the back. No, <laughs> that's not a good look. Not yeah. a good look. That's yeah. That's what our people are looking like now. What? Uh, yeah. What was your style of hair? What did you look like back in '85? Was it? I mean, it was the fade. But what else? I mean, there must have been something else. Like, uh... well, it, it was like went into a mohawk in the back. Okay. So it was it was really different. I, I had a really good barber. I had to go like every two weeks to get my hair trimmed. But it was only like seven dollars back then to get a haircut. Yeah, but, but it was important. You really had you had to have that uh, that look. Hair was very important in the eighties. So true. <laughs> Number fifty five. This is uh, ABC. Were you familiar with ABC the the band at all? Yeah, the, the look of love. Okay, at ABC. Yes. Uh, the kind of love. Yes. Yeah, so this is a this song is from the album after that. The song is called Vanity Kills, and there were two different versions of this this song. The U.S. version, which was kind of like a film noir type thing going on, and then the the U.K. version had, of the video. Yeah, it was more about. performance, but it was all it was like four squares of the band, but they were all doing the same thing. It was just it was almost kind of pointless why they had. Four squares. The whole thing was, I, I wasn't a big fan of any of this. Were you a fan of ABC or, or this song? I like the band. I'm not familiar with that song. Once again, you probably didn't have it on, you played it in our city. So I hate that I'm not familiar with <laughs> I should be with this, but probably after I left the college station, I started listening to more hard rock. We like opinions too. Professional opinions. <laughs> Like a, you guys do like a 80s or flashback or anything like that at the station? We used to have that for probably 20 years. We did a retro show, but we haven't lately. And nowadays, you could almost do a retro show of like 90s music. Oh, yeah. Of the aughts. You got to do, you know, on Sirius XM, one of my favorite stations is Indie 1.0, where they're playing like uh, yeah. indie artists from, from uh, the 2000s. You know, remember, clap your hands, say yeah. You know, that's, you know, that, that type of stuff. Like, 
Yeah. It's it makes me feel a little old when I um, look back at some of these bands and then I think that well, U two's been around for thirty years or more, and Chili Peppers have been around for thirty years, and those guys are all in their fifties now. It's like whoa. Yeah, they're they're hit. supposed to be the we age, but they're supposed to be the same. Right. Now, okay, so Red Hot Chili Peppers, they have a new song out. Is that something that uh, you guys look into the, to play because they're old and everyone knows them? Uh, you play them. You play the new song, and uh, they're coming to play their football stadium this summer. Yeah. Could they, they could sell out a stadium in Nashville? Um, I don't know. We'll <laughs> find out. Apparently they are, yeah. Yeah, I just want to thought. I mean, I know here, but I didn't know about their their popularity. Well, they've, yeah. they've been on the radio since what the eighties. The tw- people in their twenties still yeah. like them, and people who are in their fifties still like them. So it's a pretty wide variety of people that should yeah. be at the show. It's yeah, one of those bands that kind of uh, covers the spectrum. Everyone, the band, everyone yeah. can agree upon. Okay, so now we get to number fifty four. I think probably my favorite. Halloween song is Streakback's Nemesis. I don't know if you knew this song, but I I, I did not. I love this. Oh. How are you with Halloween song? I'm sure you're a metal guy. You must love uh, a few Halloween songs, but uh, you know, like Alice Cooper. We play lots of Halloween music every Halloween at the station. Do you play Streakback's Nemesis? Um, we have not so far. Well, we I think it this year. I think 2022, we're going to hear a little uh, Streakback. <laughs> Make a request. I'd like to request freak back, please. <laughs> Let's go to what we need. We need a little in excess. This is number 53 in excess. What you need. You must have known this song and you must have loved oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, I loved it song. And that was another song that seems like it made it onto rock radio as well as alternative radio. Yeah. They were a crossover band. This one made it to number five here. And it's, yeah. it's amazing. Maybe four or five years ago, there was a new um, album by In Excess with obviously a new singer, but didn't really do much. Yeah, did you hear it? Did you did you give it a listen? I did listen to it, and I wasn't amazed. Yeah, they're. I mean, they constantly. I know they had like a reality show of who trying to find a new lead singer for the band. Michael Can't- Hutchins was a great singer. about live aid they, they played live aid in australia they did like uh, a performance there and uh, they sang this song it's the best he actually had like one of those faux ho- like um 
I, I don't know how you do it. was kind of like a mullet, but it was shaved tight, appropriate for the for 1985. I need to go back and watch Live Aid again. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. You can pull up a lot of a lot of that stuff. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. Some of the performances, you know, they just kind of blow your mind. And then, as I mentioned, watching the Thompson Twins, and then you know, that's uh, there's Nile Rodgers, and then Madonna jumps up on stage to to sing with them. They sing Revolution, the Beatles' Revolution, quite a time. Did you like any of those uh, the charity songs? Like uh, you know, do they know it's Christmas or We Are the World or anything like that? I thought they were interesting to watch the video. Sometimes it's more fun to watch the video and try to name each person on there <laughs> than it was to listen to the song. But it was it was entertaining. It was good stuff, and they meant well. So <laughs> they meant yeah. that. Yeah, that was back when we could identify each singer. I I remember trying to play that game. Okay, who's coming in? Who is that? Who is that? Okay, let's move on. Number fifty-two. This is an artist called King. And there's no way you know this song. This is. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know who the artist was, so I had to look it up. Okay, yeah. So this was uh, Won't You Hold My Hand Now. He had another song that's that's further on up the charts that was a bigger song that actually made the charts. But this was a guy, based, his last name was King, and that's why they called him, that's why they call his band King. This guy was actually a, a, a VJ on MTV for a short period of time. Yeah. Dave, did you remember it? Yeah, I did. And it's kind of catchy. I mean, when you say, won't you know, as you say the title, I hear the, you know, the tune, the melody. Yeah. Won't you hold my hand now? Yeah. It was just 80s. It was quintessential 80s. These are heavy times. So why'd you show your hand? I tell me, kiss and tell. I'm such a jealous man. Okay, but wait, speaking of, of hair, did you watch the video? Yeah. Did you, is that a ponytail in the back of his mullet? It could have been. I, I again, <laughs> I look on Wikipedia, and on Wikipedia it says that Paul King wore what some believe was a mullet, but in reality was just long hair, mullet and spray-painted Doc Martin boots, and a look described like the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. If you remember the movie Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and the, the evil guy who kidnapped the kids do you remember no but i'm no. getting blank stares from both of you didn't you watch chitty chitty bang bang they're yeah. good oh when i was younger all right anyway it's uh, it was not a good look but <laughs> that sounds like a wikipedia doesn't usually express such harsh opinions or such detailed opinions you could put anything on wikipedia <laughs> okay you might know this there was another king there was a guy called king he was a norwegian musician he's a bassist in the black metal band Gorgoroth. Do you remember them? I remember the name. I don't remember the band. <laughs> okay. King was in that band. of G- Different King. Gorgoroth. That's a black metal band. Are you a fan Gorg-Goroth? of... Gorgoroth? Gorgoroth. G-O-R-G-O-R-O-T-H. I need to know this band. Gorgoroth. 
get how how deep did you get into metal music? Did you get into black metal at all? Can you listen to that? Um, I actually went and saw King Diamond in concert. Oh, okay. And uh, Merciful Fate was kind of black metal. That yeah. was a band that he was in before before he broke up and went solo. I, I like the music and I liked his voice. Um, I'm not really into Satanism or anything like that, but <laughs> the, music, the music was really good. Open so. your mind, Keith. Come on. <laughs> to Satanism? Yeah. You know, there's, there's different ways. The Grammy Museum, they had a metal section for a while, and there was a booth where you got to sing like a death metal singer. So they gave you the lyrics, and then you had to try and scream them out. And like after 30 seconds, I was like, I can't, I just can't do this. That cookie monster voice. That'd be fun. Oh, it was very fun, but it just it killed my throat. Could not do it. You could do karaoke. You could do some metal karaoke. Death metal karaoke could be fun. I, yeah. I might be into that. Next concrete music conference, we'll do that. Let's wrap this up with uh, Sexy Time. This is Brian Ferry's <laughs> Slave to Love. First of all, you, must, you you know Brian Ferry. You know Roxy Music, right? You, you still play yeah, that? You, love, play that stuff on? Play it on Lightning? Actually, I don't think we have any in our catalog. What? I was a big Roxy Music fan. Yeah. They always had great album covers. Yes. <laughs> uh, Hypnosis was the company that made their albums. And they always had, you look at their album covers, they'd always have like beautiful women on there, but there was something messed up in the picture. And you'd have to look really close and then you'd go, whoa, what's that all about? <laughs> yeah, like the gum. Yeah, there, I remember. The, yeah, there, yeah, there was always something a little mu- amusing or just a little off. Roxy Music and Ohio Players, I believe, had the best album covers, if I remember correctly. Oh. <laughs> Back then, you wouldn't buy an album sometimes just because the cover was so good, and you're probably thinking the music is going to be good. Too. That's that's right. They put this much thought into the album cover. The music's got to be, hopefully, it'll be just as good. You're programmed to believe it. What? Is it really so? <laughs> Slave to Love is like, uh, you know, that's, that's sexy time. Is that uh, something you might put on? I will listen to whatever the girl is like. Okay. Once again, you will li- you'll put on Duran Duran if you have to. There you go. Take one for the team. You got to know Did you play Roxy Music or Brian Ferry back in the day? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, lots yeah. of songs by them. Keith, I really appreciate you uh, going over this uh, these ten songs. Even though this was a new experience for you, a lot of uh, introducing you to a lot of new music. Apparently, yeah, it's uh, it'd be interesting to, if you ask my opinion about songs from five years ago, <laughs> or ten, even ten or fifteen. But these songs were songs that for the most part, did not get played. I mean, the, the um, Brian Ferry and the um, the In Excess songs were multi-format songs. But back then, like I said, we didn't have the cool alternative station that played a lot of these songs. I mean, you, you grew up listening to K-Rock. That's pretty, you're pretty blessed, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yes. We do recognize it, and we talk, when we talk to people all over the country, it's, it is interesting for us to hear who played what, because as we know, some of the things from the, like we've talked about Oingo Boingo, which is huge, was huge in Los Angeles, you know, not so big in New York. And it's say, interesting for us to hear, get perspective. And same with metal music. I mean, it was, we were lucky that we, we got to, I mean. Had everything. Yeah, we had, we had KNEC. We could listen to metal at any time. There was the West Coast, East Coast, but there really wasn't a, a Midwest. I don't know. Was there some local bands, some local metal bands that you were into in Nashville? Uh, yes. There was a band called Intruder that were signed to Metal Blade back in the late 80s, early 90s. But other than that, there, there was a, a rock scene. I mean, there was a lot of bands, but most of them never made it, never made it big or never even made it out of regional touring. Okay, wait, I have a question. I'm pivoting. Because <laughs> you, you mentioned old school rap. Did you, what did you think of the Super Bowl halftime show? I thought it was amazing. Um, it's music that, you know, people like, people my age, they, they know all the words, you know, all the songs, and it's cool to see it on TV. And most of the players probably listen to that music as well. Yeah. Um, it was interesting to see the response of some of the people on Facebook and on Twitter that, that didn't like it. And it was like, what is there not to like? It was amazing. And some people just close-minded, I guess. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll see your Vikings there one day. Hopefully they'll get Metallica to play. There you go. What's the best barbecue in Nashville? I'm vegetarian, dude. Oh, in Nashville? <laughs> is that possible? It is now. It was difficult back in the 80s because Southern cooking has everything. It has like lard, lard or bacon or something in it. But nowadays there's a lot of independent restaurants that have opened here. Nashville's actually a kind of a foodie town now. That's phenomenal. How long have you been a, a vegetarian? I grew up vegetarian. Is that right? My parents oh. were vegetarian. So. Is that vegetarian? Is it vegetarian or, are you, or have you tried veganism? Um, I love cheese too much. Okay. <laughs> all right. We all have weaknesses. That's fine. Yeah, cheese. Uh, cheese for lunch. Yeah. Just cheese and just, just cheese for lunch. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time uh, with us and uh, especially at work. And I'm a big fan. Loved your stuff. Uh, still, from was it seven to eleven every Monday through Friday? Monday, I'm on from eight until midnight, but Monday through Friday, and then Sunday, I'm on from eight in the morning until two in the afternoon. We only have like five DJs at the station, so it's been music director of the year like five years running. How many years straight has it been? No, not not five. I think I won three different times. Three, okay. Your yeah, station has won five years in a row. Yeah, congratulations. The station of the year. That's a, that's huge. You guys are doing something right. Just yeah. killing it every time. So we play lots of local music and we play lots of new music. So. We'll expect to hear some of these 10 songs added to a music ever here and there. I will request uh, <laughs> Shriek back in, uh, in well, come October. I really appreciate you taking the time out and, and spending it with us. So uh, as always, a joy to see you. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. And very nice to meet you. All right. Thanks, All right. Cheers. We'll see you around. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that was our talk with the Reverend Keith Coase, he of Nashville, Tennessee's Lightning 100 that is in Nashville. I also learned that he's a vegetarian. I can't believe someone in Nashville is vegetarian. It just uh, blows my mind. And he's into heavy metal. <laughs> As one should. Yeah, so that, a heavy metal vegetarian? Yeah, just a, a guy who fell in love with radio at an early age and even if 
he wasn't a student at Vanderbilt. He still wanted to be heard. So got to spin those platters, right? Or as Tammy Heidi says, the platters that matter. Yes, indeed. Go Rev. So that was another wonderful episode. Thank you, Holly. Thanks to Pantheon Podcasts. And we will be back next Friday with another superstar music fan. I don't know. Who knows who we're going to talk to? But uh, we're doing this in 10 song chunks and new episodes come out every Friday. We will be back next week with somebody interesting. You can be sure of that. Okay. Uh, Follow us on social media. Where can they follow us on social media, Holly? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WDDIM Podcast and Facebook at WDDIM Podcast and on our YouTube channel. What difference does it make podcast? Check us out. We have hundreds of clips on there from our past interviews. Yes, very good stuff. So after you do that, like and subscribe and do all that fun stuff. Uh, We'll see you next Friday. Until then, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.